As Pastor John breaks over. Come on. <laughs> oh, shucks. Wow. Good morning, everybody. I am so glad to see you. Where you been? Oh, you've been here. I'm the one that... We're glad to be seen. Yes, indeed. Well, um, I have so much to catch up on, but I forgot to ask Dennis. When you preached, did you wear a tie? I did not. Well, you had to on that, yes, but I, I, I'm out of sync then. I, I'm, everybody pray for me. I'm not sure I'm in the spirit at all. Huh? <laughs> not in front of everybody, no. <laughs> Actually, there was something that you said that I wanted to tap into, um, and, and so I will, because this, by the way, is a clergy tartan tie. Yes, yes, clergy tartan. So that means only clergies are allowed to wear them. It's better than, you know, I can wear a white collar or I can wear a clergy tartan tie. Doesn't matter. Anyway, so let me just go over some things. I'm glad to be back, and uh, my wife's not feeling well, and that's why she's not here. She didn't want to share her goodies with anybody else, and uh, I know those of you who want to stay healthy appreciate that. Um, I have a, a picture I want to show. Uh, I think my uh, magic man back there. One minute. Give him one minute. I give two minutes for you and your gallant crew. Somebody recognized it. I can't communicate. You know, our family was dysfunctional. We don't know how to communicate without quoting movies. That's the only way we function. So, uh, yes, I have. So you're on the same page. I just want to say way to go, Harmony. Uh, the last few weeks, I've heard nothing but positive raves about everything, including the church pulling together to serve somebody in the time of crisis and, and a loss, which is also a gain, because we know we're all going to see each other again, Brother Gerald, and, uh, and his widow is with us today, Earlene, welcome, and uh, we love you, and condolences again. Uh, I was visiting her the other day. She had company. There was a deer walking past her front window. He says, here's one of our special guests. And there he was. So Gerald will be missed. But I have heard nothing but positive, positive raves about everybody pulling together. And it just was such an encouragement to me that we have a great staff and a great uh, team of elders. And that's why the picture I had, I snuck this. You'll notice I'm not in it. Look at those handsome devils. Uh, what are you laughing at? Look at those handsome devils. But anyway, uh, that was our time away up at Lake Champion, uh, an elder retreat, and we included this, the, um, the staff, and we had an excellent time together. And the reason I wanted to put that up there is so that you knew that we weren't um, just, well, it kind of looks like we're goofing off, but we didn't goof off the whole time, and we spent time meeting with God and discerning where is he taking us as an assembly. And I just want to affirm the team that we have who are trustworthy, good at uh, communicating, teaching, getting about the business that needs to be done. I know some of you have interacted with elders who have sought you out or dialogued with you or taken your concerns before the Lord. And then having the team rally over the weeks that have gone by has just been an encouragement. 
So I wanted to say uh, so many people have jumped in over the weeks. In a few weeks, uh, Pastor Derek will be up again, which means you'll have a spiritual message because it's got a British accent. As I've always said, it's always more spiritual when it's British. And uh, I'm, I'm actually not going to be away again till Christmas except for one weekend. And that's because um, I've been invited to serve on a ministry mapping team like the one we had here years back uh, to serve a church on Long Island. And I'll be spending that weekend with that church and that team. And that's the week uh, that Pastor Derek will be filling in for me. Otherwise, we'll be around. Pastor Dennis, uh, good sermons. They're pretty sweet, I guess. He did okay. What do you think? He did okay. I already listened to them and uh, enjoyed them uh, quite a bit. I have, to, I, have to, I have to ask a question. Is it all right for me to put you on the spot? Well, that's what we do here. Yes, we do. It's part of the fun. And uh, I, I, when I was in my doctoral program, I was told to, to learn how to preach, you know. So I've been trying ever since. And one of the things they had us do was listen to some of the great storytellers. Do you ever listen to Garrison Keeler? Do you know I was listening to you preach, and when you tell stories, you sound like him, and that is a huge compliment. It really is. I'm jealous, but I'll probably get over it. But anyway, it's just been been good words that we've heard. His story, uh, telling a little bit about himself, and I know that I told a lot about myself over the years, But I also know that when I came to Harmony at the very beginning, we were still a congregation in shock. And uh, so I know a lot of things that I've said have been forgotten or kind of slipped through because uh, we were were not all on our game, right? Uh, Even me, I wasn't totally on my game either. In fact, you're saying, and as if, whenever, yeah. But uh, that'll tie into what I want to teach about today. But anyway, you guys did such a great job. It's so cool to have confidence in a godly team of leaders that are doing a good job. And the spirit has continued to be stirring, and we're excited about that. By the way, the last thing I did while I was on campus before I left was um, uh, experience the Harvest Festival. I did get dunked, and, um, and it did take... Finally, I did, I did, it took. I got baptized again, and it finally took. That was his joke. So those of you who aren't laughing obviously weren't here to hear his joke. So, Harvest Festival, just so you know, we made more money than we did last year. And so they've done very well on that. We're very happy. Everybody pulling together to make it happen, thank you, Jesus. Uh, you guys did a great job. It was a lot of fun. I ran the, uh, the 5K and came in better than the first year I was here, which I was impressed with that. Uh, it doesn't take much to impress me because it's not a whole lot there. But anyway, so that was a great day. And um, I came in third on donkey fun, donkey, on dunking, <laughs> dunking funds uh, to Dennis. Uh, Pastor Dennis won the day. I, I think he's just got a nice dramatic way of going down into the water. He kind of goes, oh, and everybody loves it so much, they just keep throwing him, knocking him in. So I had to take third place. A young Miss Falk took second, but hey, it worked. I, I'm going I'm to tell your story, Gene, can I? 
Gene walks over. I'm done freezing. By the way, it was cold water, and I got out of that water, and, and Gene said, I'll give them 20 bucks if you get back in there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I said, you're on. So I got in, and he dunked me. My ex-friend. For a noble cause, I'll do it for less. Okay. No. Um, And then uh, some of the things that we heard as as, uh, I was away, I was listening to some of the messages and... Uh, excellent reference uh, back to a series. It was more than just the last couple of years, the Ten Commandments. And uh, I thought, yes, uh, Pastor Dennis's encouragement, and he, he quoted uh, Pastor Tim's series on upward, out, inward, and outward, and we were milking that through the summer. And uh, good emphasis, trying to get our, our values in place as a congregation. And uh, Ten Commandments, a reference to the fact that all of our teaching, if it was worth hearing once, sometimes it's worth hearing again, and you can pull them up online. And uh, that's what I was doing, uh, catching up with everything. And there was one comment that you made about, well, there were a lot of comments that you make, but the one that stood out to me was when you mentioned uh, that in your family, a call to ministry was a noble or honorable call. That's why I wore my clergy tartan today. Because it is. And you mentioned uh, that Moody Church's pastor is gone. And I, I have to confess, I've had uh, fantasies at times of being in a church that has one of those gorgeous old cathedral-type buildings, you know, and preaching to the masses. I have lots of fantasies, you know. And uh, I'm too old to, to even think about that. But I was wondering, maybe there's somebody here that God may put his finger on and take to serve that church in the city of Chicago into the future who need Jesus, people who need Jesus. You know, who knows? It's a noble calling. Now I'm going to risk preaching a little because I've been grieved so many times by Christian parents who have discouraged you can't make any money in that. That's true. Unless you're a big name. You can't. But you're making huge retirement plans, trust me. You really are. So it is a godly, uh, noble privilege to be called to it. And if he does, mom and dad, don't discourage them. Don't trade their eternal weight for mere cash. It isn't worth it. It really isn't. You never have enough anyway, do you? Nah. So why bother? Well, yeah, you got to eat. So, okay. You get the idea. There has been here a stirring of the spirit. And, uh, and our, our leadership has been speaking into it. And I want to say that there are, there, are, there are ramifications. If the spirit is wooing us or stirring among us, there are ramifications. Some of us will listen and press in and will say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. But some of us uh, can actually resist that stirring. The fact that the spirit's stirring here doesn't mean we're a church in revival. 
There hasn't been a full breakthrough. Steve Vitoulis, our elder, just prayed about that. There needs to be a further break where we really do respond with, yes, Lord, your servant's listening, which means when we say that, we have every intention of obeying. That's where it gets sticky sometimes, right? I heard something, not sure I want to think about that for a few weeks or years or whatever because it may cost something. Yeah, and it probably will. So that's what I was thinking about when I had the verse come to my mind that you actually referenced, I think, last week. Hear, O Israel. Was it last week? I think it was. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Elohenu, Adonai Echad. The Lord your God is one. Hear, O Israel, Shema. And can you imagine, you, you know what this is, don't you? What it must have felt like if you were a real believer. Not everybody in Israel was a real believer. Not everybody was. But I think if you heard this, Maybe, maybe I'll make it sound better. Wait a minute. You would hear that out over the camp of Israel? No, no, please. And by the way, don't come up here. There's a smell that comes out of that thing that'll knock your socks off. Absolutely knock you over. It's terrible. It is. It really is. I can even taste it. Anyway. But if you were a true believer and you heard that sound go out over the camp, I don't know about you, I would have been like, God wants to say something. There's something we need to hear. And so they would gather before Moses and stand. And so I want to take us back because we're returning to the book of Hebrews. And uh, it's a series that I've been in. Everybody wants me to finish it because they know it's going to take me four years to get through it. And... uh, I don't know, maybe after a while they'll wish I shortened it. We'll see. Before, what happened before? If you have your notes, if you are a note keeper or taker, on the back of your bullet or in your bullet, and you have this uh, little fill-in, the first thing we're talking about is before, because the book of Hebrews harkens back to the history of the people of God, the children of Israel. It takes us back, if you will. And so the first thing we're going to look at is in the Old Testament, there was this call. And I'm just going to bring these verses up as way of reminder. As uh, Pastor Dennis mentioned them last week, but I want to take it a little further. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to put these on the screen. For those of you who have one of the black Bibles in your hands, one of these, or your own Bible, you're going to be turning to... The book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, first the first chapter and then the fourth, page 1198, 1198. Here's what it says. Hear, O Israel, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5, we can get that. The Lord is our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. There's enough right there to have a Bible study all month. Just pondering, what does that look like to love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my might? Uh, Anyway, I don't want to keep picking on you because you already preached the sermon. I could just say, everybody go home, listen to his sermon. We're done. But talking about the areas of my life that I make available to God for his use. 
my time, my treasure, my resources, my talents, the abilities he's given me, whatever it is. Learn his statutes so that you can follow the Lord and give him your best. Teach it to your children. Do them. These are principles that work for your benefit. And here's where it follows up a few verses later, verse 17 and on. You should diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes, which he has commanded you. Can I pause there for a second? Why? Because he loves to see you jump when you, when you say, he says, jump. You say, how high? That's his only reason. Well, you seem to know why. That's not the only reason. I mean, obedience is a good thing, by the way. If God tells me jump, I'm going to jump. I'm just going to tell you, I've got that in my DNA. I can get an explanation later. Everybody know what I mean? When we raised our children, all right, now I'm, now I'm digressing. I don't know, do I have enough time for enough, you know, sidetracks here? Do I? You say, he said so. If, if you guys get mad later, it's his fault. All right. When, I was, when I was, we were raising our children, one of the principles, everybody brings something to the table. Mom brought the word of kindness. That was the rule in our home. She wanted the, the tongue of kindness to be in our mouths. So when she heard the kids being unkind, can you imagine brothers and sisters not being kind to each other? I know it almost never happens. But when she did, Mama Bear would come out of the cave. And it was like, you are not going to... And we all learned to be kind. Now, my role was the lawgiver. We want you to understand and have a healthy, positive relationship with authority. That is completely lost in our culture. It's lost on the authority side as well as on the personal side. But when we were crossing a highway... I didn't want to have to have a debate with my children if we stepped off and I noticed a semi coming and said, everybody back on the curb. I, Why, Dad? I don't want to blah, 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 blah. You get the rest. You should learn to obey. Diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God, his testimonies and his statutes which he has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord that it may be well with you and that you may go in and possess the good land which the Lord swore to give your fathers and all of God's people said. So he wants us to obey because he likes to see how high we can jump. No, he wants us to obey so that we can inherit the good land and something else. What does it say? That it may go well with you. I've been in this business a long time. 85 to 90% of the drama that happens in Christians' homes, self-inflicted. Didn't have to happen. Didn't have to. There are things you can't control that come down on us, right? You just can't control them. Those are the tough ones. But a lot of it, we bring on ourselves. Now, you would think a commandment like that would settle it. Everybody go out and say, oh, how easy. One and one is two. If we obey this, you know, it all works. Shouldn't that settle it? Shouldn't that, what are you laughing at? 
should settle it. Anybody remember Jurassic Park? The first one was great, right? Dr. Malcolm, chaos theory. It's like, boy, do I hate being right all the time. (laughs) Chaos is going to break out. You're making a mistake. The Tyrannosaurus is coming out of its puddock. He's going to wreak destruction. Boy, do I hate being right all the time. Why? Because chaos will break out. Why? Because human beings are unpredictable. Why? Because they're sinners. Because we've got this infection this inclination to go in the wrong direction. This law that was given by awesome angelic beings, certainly everybody would listen. Mm, Didn't quite work out that way, did it? So the first thing is that's before the commandments of God through Moses, the amazing manifestations of God's redemption and his goodness for the children of Israel. And yet not everybody heard it. Not everybody got it. And then where we came with the book of Hebrews is that there's something better than what Moses even had. Even with all that spectacular deliverance, there's something far better And that's the way the opening of Hebrews, if I may be so uh, kind uh, to you to review. You don't have to turn there, but if you're opening the Bible, it's just one page ahead. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers, this is the way the book of Hebrews began. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers, who did we just hear from? Moses, one of the fathers, right? And in the prophets, in many portions, in many ways, in these last days, one of the last days. Thank you. Biblically, they're now. Some people say, oh, the last days are coming. They're already here. Been here. Oh, you mean the last, last days. Well, we'll talk about that another time, right? In these last days, the last, 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 last. In these last days now has spoken to us by who? His son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Sounds a little like John chapter 1, doesn't it? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Same was in the beginning with God. And he is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature. He upholds all things by the word of his power. God created, God sustains. It's not an accident. It's not what the deists taught, that God made the world like a clock, wound it up, put it on the shelf, and then he went on vacation. He's still active. He's still involved. What are your circumstances today? He's not missing. Oh, it's a hard one? He's not missing. He upholds all the things by the word of his power. Next verse. When he had made purification for sin, he created, he sustains, that's providence, and thanks be to God, he redeems. He made purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name, more excellent name than they. Remember, to the Jewish community, the angelic revelation was a big deal. If you, if you read the New Testament, you know, and somebody's acting weird in one place, they say, well, hey, don't, don't judge him. Maybe an angel spoke to him. Remember that? In Acts, maybe an angel spoke to him. It's a big deal. The author of Hebrews says, Jesus blows all that away. This is God in the flesh among us. And so we looked at all the things that are better. All the different titles I had of some of my sermons earlier, better uh, status, better covenant, 
Better promises, better sacrifice, better blood, better country, better possession, better resurrection. Huh? Yeah, better. Better expectations of us that he calls out of us. Better fulfillments. Some of what's going to happen is incomplete until we live out our lives according to what God says. Better fulfillment, better hope, a better confidence, and a better country that we go to. All those better things. Now, the context of this book most likely is, and and we'll unpack it another time, is a a group of what we would call um, Jewish Christian teachers and seminarians, right? People in living in Rome who have not uh, have not heard the previous invasion of the gospel into Rome and among people, and they are rethinking as persecution is starting to break out. They are rethinking, boy, did we make the right decision becoming this part of this way, this followership of Jesus? Because persecution is serious business. And so that is the context of the book. That was before. Now we're dealing with what is better, but we want to move on. And where we left off before I quit at the beginning of the summer was on the subject of spiritual sclerosis and the frog in the kettle. Anybody remember those two titles? Sclerosis. Everybody knows what that is. Hardness. Spiritual hardness, the frog in the kettle, that image of putting a frog in water, heating it up, and even though it's not totally true, makes a great illustration. Because frogs do jump out of the hot water, by the way. Just in case you don't remember, it's not totally true. But anyway, makes a great book title, too. But anyway, Barna, the frog in the kettle. Okay? The problem of being in the community, kind of saturated in the community, and missing the promises. I want to be really gracious about this. Some of us are missing the promises. Sitting right with us. It happens. So today we read this exhortation. This is the text for the day. And if you have your uh, Bible open, you can follow along with me. Chapter 4, the first two verses, very simple, very short and to the point. Therefore, let us fear if, while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. There's a promise that remains of entering his rest, you don't want to fall short. If indeed we have had good news preached to us, listen to this, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. Let us fear. Phobos, phobia. Let me put it the way I think it's meant in this text. Let us be apprehensive. We should have some apprehension here. Lest, while a promise remains of entering his rest, we should miss it because of the following. There's some words here that we ought to park on for a second. Uh, Promise. Apprehension we already mentioned. The other word I don't think we need to unpack is they had the good news, the glad tidings preached to us. The Greek word for preaching the gospel is, well, let me put it in an English version, evangelism. It's evangelism, preaching the good news. That's what the word means. 
to proclaim good news. The Old Testament saints had good news proclaimed to them, didn't they? That it may be well with you and that you might inherit the good land. That's good news. Let us be apprehensive that we don't miss it. The promise, rest, profit, and mixed in these words. Promise, the assurance that God gives us. The scripture is filled with wonderful promises. More than just getting your ticket to heaven. Gesundheit. Rest, repose, ceasing from labor, from work, from activity. Uh, occasionally when I look in the paper, uh, there are obituaries. And in certain cultural churches, I love the way they say it. It sounds so dignified. So-and-so will lie in repose at such-and-such such a Baptist church or temple or whatever it happens to be. They're lying in repose. They're done working, friends. It's over. It's rest. They cease from their work and activities. There is a rest for the people of God that is coming. And I'm going to let you in on a little hint. It's not just when you leave this earth. Glad tidings were preached to them, but it didn't profit. Now, we understand profit. If anything, we understand in our culture, it's the economy. Wonderful as it is. Profit. It was of no Profit, no value, no benefit of no use to them. It didn't benefit them. It didn't get anything in their bank account. Why? Because it was not mixed, blended, mingled. Let me put it this way. It wasn't united with faith. It wasn't united with faith. I can hear something. I can believe it or not believe it. I can hear something, and if I believe it, suddenly it gets united in my spirit because of faith. I actually believe it, and my ability to lay hold of it and claim it for myself becomes real. So those are the key words in that little passage. We want to be concerned, apprehensive, that we don't miss the promise of God. Now, that is partly the big picture. The big picture has to do with heaven. There's a parallel of us with those early saints that used to hear the call of God this way. You know, come out to the meeting, come out to the tabernacle where the, where the glory is coming down on the building, you know, on the, the tent, and hear Moses tell you the word of God, the will of God, whatever it might be. There's a parallel. They had good news preached to them, and so have we. Yes, many of them never made it to the promised land. Yes? In fact, the vast majority. That's scary, isn't it? Vast majority. We had a, a brother here a while back who, who has said to me he had seen some stats. I don't know if they're accurate. But it was something like, in the average evangelical church, was it 80, 80%, 75%? It was some horrible figure of the people attending those evangelical churches don't get the gospel. It was terrible. It was a terrible statistic. Once a, well, yeah, well, then that's a whole nother. Don't get me going. Don't get me on that. 
but, but that we're sitting, listening, soaking in it, if you will. Oh, yeah, I got that, I got that. No apprehension. Maybe we need a little apprehension. Think about it. Where am I? Have, have any of you who know the grace of God has changed you? It, it, you didn't just pray a prayer and I think I'm okay. You know he's changed you, right? You know it. Haven't you been at a point in your spiritual life where you go, boy, do I really get this? Well, maybe I'm the only wingnut here, but I'm telling you, occasionally I'm like, John, do you even get it? I think some of that is healthy once in a while. Let me reset my dial and uh, think and press in a little bit and push toward God and then the wonderful joy of having his spirit minister that truth to you. Yes, you are my child. Yes, and not only that, I know that you love me. That was a hard one for me because of my fatherlessness. It was a hard one. You know, He was the Lord. Yes, sir, whatever you say. I told you, that's in my DNA. It's just do it. But coming to understand and enjoy the fact that he actually loves me and that I found out he knows that I really love him too. Even though at times I forget about that, right? Okay, so there are at least five people who agree with me here. You get what I'm saying. So they missed the promised land. All of these people, Caleb, Joshua, those and whoever followed them, they got into the promised land. The rest had to perish in the wilderness. Now, it doesn't mean none of them made it to heaven. We don't know who was who. But there were people who didn't make it to heaven, and there were people who did. They laid hold of the promise. And all of that Old Testament picture is a type. It's a picture for us. The promised land being heaven, where we're going. There is life beyond this life. Boy, I want to put some shekels into that account. You know what I mean? Because I'm going to stay there a long time. I thought I was here a long time, you know. Yeah, this month I'm older. (laughs) I'm not telling. You know what? Those of us who've got all this gray went like that, didn't it? The next location is eternal. That picture that God was trying to demonstrate his love and care and invitation to his people is a picture of the good land that we will inherit. It's permanent, eternal life. And every believer, everyone who's in the room, we would want everyone under the sound of my verse to be assured, not have apprehension, that you know that you're going to that place. But my brothers and sisters, if we know that, Here's the best. We talked about the past. We talked about before. We talked about Jesus being better. Here's the best. If we not only know that, but we also know his promises for the here and now. That he's working. He's alive. He works on our behalf. Let me show you a verse. And there are multiples. You could pick bunches of them. But 2 Peter chapter 1. I just want to read this to you. His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Is that a mouthful? I want to make sure I'm reading that right. His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. 
There's nothing else. <laughs> Through the true knowledge, epigenosis, intimate knowing, really knowing, not knowing about. I know about, I better be careful who I say. I know about a certain senator. He's in the paper. At my wife's um, reunion, I met that senator. Now I have more epigenosis. Yeah? That doesn't get me any richer, believe me. It doesn't do me any good, but it, there it is. By really knowing the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence, for by these, his glory and excellence, he has granted us, get this, precious and magnificent promises. Well, what are they? Heaven. Yeah, we already covered that. I'm on to the next point. <laughs> Yes, heaven is a truly wonderful place, a wonderful promise for us as believers. Everybody says, oh my goodness, I've been away too long. Yes, Pastor John. <laughs> no, more granted to us precious and magnificent promises, I'm going to give you a hint, that pertain to life and godliness in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. We don't have to unpack that last, that lust word is ugly. Ooh, we don't want to talk about that. But You get to participate in the divine. God is working his nature into you. Do you understand? He's given, in fact, here's the words, precious, highly valued. Think about what is, you have something in your house that is highly valued, right? If, you, if your house caught fire, what is it? You know what I mean. What is the thing you would grab? Yes, me too. He, he just, good for you. Anyway, for those of you who didn't hear, it goes, my wife. And she's like, oh, honey. That's a, that's a, have a great day. Anyway, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. There's something of value. Uh, maybe it's been passed on for 12 generations, or it's, a, it's an album of photographs you can't replace. Especially that was true before digital. But anyway, you get what I'm saying. There's something that value, highly valued. That's the word that is used, precious, highly valued, and magnificent. I like this word, large, spacious. Spacious, huge, magnificent promises, abundant, extraordinary. In fact, I like this last one the best, outstanding. You know, the word awesome has gotten squandered pretty much, right? We say awesome. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I got through the red light. That's awesome. <laughs> I didn't get hit or a ticket. That's awesome. Now I think when I hear extraordinary or astounding or, yeah, outstanding, somebody does a really exceptional job. Awesome just doesn't cut it anymore. That was outstanding. Luke, what you did in your class was outstanding. Hope it was good, whatever it was. He's grinning at me. Right? It's outstanding. That's the kind of promises that are available to us in order that by them we become 
partakers of the divine nature, koinos, to share, to have in common, like koinonia, same root word. Why? Why am I talking about this? Because the Spirit has been stirring at harmony. And what he wants to do, is anybody maybe seeing something here? That there are promises for life and godliness outstanding that maybe we need to lay hold of. That maybe by faith we have to mingle it with, mix it with, combine it with faith. Not just hear it here, but combine I'm choosing to believe you. I had to come to a point a few months back. This, this is cool. This is kind of cool. I'm going to get real here. Back, it was probably six months back before we went to Africa... And I told you when I came back from Africa, I felt like I'd had multiple injections of spiritual adrenaline. When I, uh, I, w- I was, I have had seasons of struggling. God, are you working? Are you doing anything? And the Holy Spirit brought back to me a, a little quip out of a book called True Discipleship by William McDonald, where he quotes the great missionary Hudson Taylor, I believe, who founded the China Inland Mission. And Hudson Taylor said this, all of God's great servants have been weak men. Now, this is not sexist. Weak people who reckoned on God being with them. And I went, oh, I've been naughty. I was not reckoning that you were with me in this. And the spirit began to build faith and quicken me. I chose it. You see, it's not, it's like, oh, I had a, I had a tingly feeling. I chose. That's true. I'm choosing to believe you. And from that point on, faith began to grow, and I got injection after injection after injection, and so can you. Are you with me? Jesus, no less than six times in the Gospels, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Hear, O Israel. Why does God say that? Because we can hear it. It goes, you know this, in one ear and... Some of us are sleeping on me right now. I won't point out anybody. In one ear and... But there are these precious and magnificent promises. Let me give you a couple examples. So, everything I need for life and godliness... Anybody remember a verse that says, I know some people hate this verse. God, no temptation has overtaken you. It's in the book we're in, by the way. But such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will? And maybe you'll be okay. Who will not tempt you beyond what you're able but with the temptation, we'll provide, we'll provide a way of escape. And people get mad at God because he tempted me more than I was able. No, he had a way of escape, and you stuck your tongue out. You had a chance to get out somewhere in there. Does he mean what he says? 
Be anxious for nothing. Oh, shut up, Pastor John, please. Be anxious for nothing. Now, I'm not talking, by the way, when you talk about that, that verse that I just quoted a minute ago, which people have a love-hate relationship with that verse. They do. Because there are things that are just hard that sometimes God ordains for our life. That's all there is to it. Somehow I know there's a way out. Sometimes the only way I can pray is like Luther and others. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And if I start with that, suddenly he starts to show me the way out. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, with supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, right? That means don't worry. How many times the scripture says don't fear? Don't we all? Of course we do. Be anxious for nothing, and the peace of God that surpasses comprehension will guard you. Isn't that rest? Isn't that part of the promised land in the here and now? Yes, it is. People who have been through it, they go through a crisis, they go through a death, they go through something, and that peace comes on them, and they can't explain it, except to witness to it. What happens is we get our eyes off God being with us in the midst of it. Let me give you the Old Testament version. We're out in the wilderness. Now, remember, God did a mighty, outstretched arm miracle, taking the children of Israel out of bondage. They were slaves. You saw the movie with Charlton Heston, right? You know they got whipped, and some people got crushed under the stones and all of that. In the, in, in, you all know what I'm talking about, Egypt? Everybody with me? It's called the Ten Commandments. If you never saw it, just go see it. Why you want to kill us? We haven't had anything to drink. We're going to perish right here. We're all going to die. Wah. <laughs> now, we love to pick on the Old Testament saints, right? You know, like, oh, boy, they were just losers, right? Can't believe those people. What did they lose sight of? God just delivered them. Isn't he going to deliver them again? Duh. He's going to make water come out of a rock for Pete's sake. He's going to make manna come out of heaven. And then they're going to whine about that. Keith Green, manna burgers, you know, it's just never good enough. Forgetting that God is with them. They forgot that he has them on a journey to the promised land. You thought that was cool, what happened down in Egypt? Wait, you see what I got in store for you? Oh, we're going to die before we get there. Oh, but New Testament Christians never talk like that, do they? No, here, here's the New Testament version. We're going across the Sea of Galilee, a huge lake. By the way, if you've ever been up on Lake Ontario, what, them's theirs is oceans, you know what I mean? They get rough, and a storm st stirs up. Jesus is so worn out from ministry, he's sleeping in the back of the boat. Don't you love that picture? I love it, and they're all freaking and what did they say? Anybody remember? Lord, don't you care? We're going to drown. Now you're thinking, yeah, they could have. No. Who was with them? Who was with them? Jesus was... 
No, you're missing my point. It's not just that Jesus was in the boat and that he's God. Jesus was here by divine commission. There was only one way he's going to die. It's on a cross. He's been telling them that. Now you got it. They, we can't die. We got him. You know, it's like the princess bride. Hey, who cares? We got him, you know. <laughs> got the man in black. What more do you want? They've got Jesus with them. He cannot die. That boat is not going to sink. Not on that watch. Can't happen. He's taking us somewhere. Let's unpack a little Bible study for just a second. So, in the Old Testament, Moses says to the children of Israel, as he's getting ready to let up on his shift and let Joshua take them into the promised land. It's a great moment. And here's the words that he says to the children of Israel. Yet to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to know, nor eyes to see, nor ears to hear. Oh, I would love to be in the small group that is unpacking that one. I see, I see Derek up here going, oi, 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 why did he bring this verse up? Because what's our first reaction? See, it's God's fault, isn't it? Why is that true? Read it over and over. Read the whole Bible. You'll find the same story again and again. First, we harden our hearts. And then he says, I've had enough. After a while... I can get to the point where God says, okay, you want it your way? I'm giving it to you. Ever have kids that want something so bad, you finally give it to them? It's the worst thing. I just had this happen in my family. I don't even want to talk about it. It's so irritating. You finally got what you wanted, and look how much trouble it is causing everybody. The reason I'm sharing this is because I do, at times, feel consternation and distress. Because we are often living here when God wants to give us rest, living here. That there are magnificent, outstanding promises that he's dangling in front of you, hoping that you'll grab a hold of. In some way, there's a way, there's a way that he wants to help us to lay hold of him and see him meet our need or do something that we didn't expect, perhaps. Completely different. We were interacting with uh, people on, on that weekend that we were away and, and uh, encountered someone who was carrying a, a history from their family and never has never felt free of it. And I'm thinking, man, do you know that Jesus will free you free you from false guilt, free you from shame, free you from the stuff that you're carrying around that he doesn't want you to have to carry. There is a rest now for the people of God that we can lay hold of. And I'm just burdened that as an assembly. I, how many times I hear after the fact, this thing has gone to seed or this thing collapsed or this family is falling apart or whatever. And it's like, have we ever thought asking God to help us? And we don't do it. I'm confused by that. I'm totally confused. Seems to me it's a reflection of our unbelief that has been a besetting sin. So as the Spirit stirs, hear, O Israel, 
Hear, O Israel. He that has ears to hear, hear. Meaning, mingle it with faith. You can't invent it. You can't say, oh, I'm going to trust God for, you know, miraculous transformation or resurrection from the dead. You can't tell God that. But there are things he may be offering you to lay hold of as a promise that he wants you to mix it with faith and say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you to bring me through this in some way I never would have expected. I don't want the stirring of the Spirit to cease. I don't want us to remain uh, sub-enjoying God, if you will, enjoying the rest that he has for us, because there is a rest now for the people of God. We're going to see more of that as we go further into the book of Hebrews. It's so good to be back with you and uh, hearing so many good things happening, and may God continue to do those good things and work in our hearts. Let's stand together as we close. And um, if you want to pray, the altar is always open. And uh, I've been so pleased with so many of us having the courage to say, I don't care what anybody thinks. I know I need to talk to God about this, and we should keep that alive. Lord Jesus, we bless your name today. We thank you that you have given many outstanding promises. I've laid hold of a few of them. There's quite a few I haven't. And sometimes I scratch my head about my own weakness. But I want to thank you, God, as your servant said historically, that all of your servants who get something done, who, who uh, make a name for you, are weak people, like me, who reckoned on you being with us, and we want to do that. Help us. In the great name of Jesus, we bless you and we worship you, and we commit our people to you, to your angelic protection in these weeks ahead. In the great name of Jesus, we pray, and all of God's people said, amen, amen and amen. God bless and have a wonderful afternoon.